It's time for Cofield and Company. Hill goes baseline. Hill out to Ducell. A three from the right side for Ducell is no good. And the putback is no good. And the Rebels win the game. Wow. Hanging out at Stadium Swim. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Thursday, becoming our regular spot. Stadium Swim, Circle Las Vegas. And it never fails, man. Never fails. The uh, Super Bowl crowd last week got dealt a little bit of brisk weather. It is beautiful today. This is the sunniest place in Las Vegas up here at Stadium Swim. John Von Tobel is with us. You got the shades. You're ready to go. You're fired up. What do you got for headphones there? I don't know. Oh, what? Those are wired? Okay. I thought, yeah, yeah. I thought uh, didn't you just tell me you bought some expensive? No, there was someone else I know. Someone else I know uh, just, was that you? Um, Isabel for oh. my birthday got me some Beats Bluetooth Buds, yeah. but that was back in November. All right. Not wired, right? No. Yeah, I need no. to get to the not wired revolution, which is really not a revolution. It's been around for a long time. Uh, no, I, I would say the complaint about the buds that I got are you can't control the volume from them. So I can stop, I can go back, I can go forward, do that all kind of stuff. But I can't turn up the volume. i got to do it from my phone. That would be my biggest complaint. But they sound fantastic. And they have a great setting where I can put on, I can put noise canceling or I can put like through audio so I can hear everything if I want. It's absolutely brilliant. Go up on Twitter at Steve Cofield and check out John's Valentine's Day gift. We'll get into it in a little bit. He's got a shirt on that's very... Very interesting. Uh, Demond is back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Von Tobel here, Cofield here. Demond, how you doing, buddy? Fantastic, Steve. I can never tell if he's. I know. Neither. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're being fantastic. You are missing quite the view here at Stadium Swim. We've got a very adventurous uh, young man that just got in the pool, John. Yes, I saw. What an ass on that guy. Really tight. Uh, really got, good looking G string. He's got. The, he's got the butt floss. And it was one of those where I looked up and I'm like, hello. I mean, hello. What he is in adventurous? the <laughs> Well, he is in the lap pool, the monster. Like, you would assume that maybe at some point he's going to start swimming up and down, back and forth. Yeah, we will uh, get he a, wants to be aerodynamic. We will get a picture of John uh, next to the gentleman with John's head down around his uh, rear end. Yeah. I, thought we were gonna, I thought I was going to ask him to try it on. Slip it off right yeah. out in the open? <laughs> yeah. Both of us get, both of us, all of us go bottomless we'll and just trade up. it? Yeah. I don't think I could wear that. Not, not uh not for shame of embarrassment. I don't think my arse could carry that anymore. I think it, back in the day, maybe. Maybe? Yeah, maybe a long time ago. I think ago I've lost some too. tightness. What? Yeah. You're a young man. I'm sure you're so. very tight and taut. We're going to have Mateo grab you a little bit in a little, yeah. couple minutes. Okay. <laughs> Try it out. This is devolving into madness. Uh, I want to get to UNLV and the victory last night. It was very funny. After the game, uh, basically the beat reporters on the road for the Run Rebels, uh, Paloma over at Fox 5. Paloma, not Palomer. Um, I am obviously with Learfield, and then Mike Romalo's out there a lot with the Las Vegas Sun. And last night, after the victory, Barrett Peary gave him, he's one of the assistant coaches, he gave him a slap handshake and then took the biggest swing with his palm right in the rear end. Wow. Yeah. Well, it was a good win, so I assume everybody's, <laughs> everybody's really fired up. Yes. <laughs> considering the, the run that UNLV is on right now. Well, they won five straight. So... We come in here on a Thursday, and we're waiting for the aftermath of the Super Bowl here in town in Vegas. And we had multiple people say, hey, this is a bad place to be. Led by Boomer Esiason, Joe Buck predicted chaos. All right, I mean, are we clear here finding out about incidents? Maybe not. Did anything crazy happen? 
were Boomer and uh, Joe Buck correct? I mean, there was the player that got attacked by a wolf, allegedly. Did we ever find out who that was? So, I, like, there was that alleged report. Um, Albert Breer complained about traffic. Uh, let's see. There was the fire alarm. That's about it. Funny. Nothing happened. You want to know why? Wild because uh, they're professionals, and yeah. they know what they're doing here. And everybody's an adult, and you can make your own decisions and decide to focus on the game, unlike what I did, which was go out many times yeah. during the week. You, you, I, I, you live here, and you couldn't handle right, it. Right, exactly. But I didn't come in every day like, oh, Vegas, you know, like it's just this city. It's, it's just I not gotta, a good spot. I got to get out of here. Right. No, they, they, were, they were absolutely flat out wrong, and they're never going to address it. And I guess to give Buck some credit, he talked more logistics, but he still said something big's going to happen, and it's not going to stay in Vegas. They were both wrong. They have no idea what it's like out here. And frankly, it's more of a reflection on them and maybe how they would handle it out here as opposed well, to the city itself. Yeah, I told you that Boomer Siason grew up on an NFL and played in an NFL. That was completely wild. All right, for all the older folks out there, back in my day, yeah, you guys were animals. Right. A lot of you. Uh, couldn't you know? Couldn't handle fame. Couldn't handle the the drugging, the drinking. That's on you. Uh, that would not be on Las Vegas. I mean, are there more vices here? And do we go longer every day than everyone else? Sure. Yeah, but be under control. I I got squeezed at the end of the show yesterday. Every Mountain West city I go to, I will try to go out and see some bars and restaurants, and many times imbibe beyond a safe limit. In terms of, I don't have a car, so it doesn't matter. So I take rideshare everywhere. But yeah, I was uh, I was walking the streets of Fresno at uh, like one o'clock in the morning the other night because it's Fresno. Why not? No, there's no trouble in Fresno, Steve. I, you oh, can't get arrested. There in can Fresno. be. Yeah, I don't think there's. I don't think anybody has ever been arrested in the history of humanity in Fresno, California. It can't happen. Or would people respond by saying? Because why? I told you guys at the end of the show, I was not done for the night, but bars were closed. So I was like, "Where's a Seven Eleven?" And then I mapped it because I was walking everywhere. And then as I start walking there, I'm like, oh, this is a mile away. Oh, good. Yeah. This, is, this is good at, you know, 1245 at night. And I got there. And I was like, you know what? I want a tall boy. Let me bring that back to the room. And I got like two minutes into the walk. And I'm like, I'm going to drink it now. That's not legal. No, of course not. So, it, so is it I brought Vegas to Fresno and started trouble. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe because we've been out here. We were out uh, for the guaranteed rate bowl. We were out until the wee hours of the morning in Phoenix, Arizona uh, with Where my colleague we? here at Stormy Bonatoni. Where hey. we? Right. No, we weren't. We mean, we, oh, kinda, we, we did kind of close down a bar at like one thirty. It did, no, it was like two thirty in the morning. Was it that late? Yeah. Okay. And we got we didn't get any trouble, but I guess that's us. I think it's like the Vegas thing. It Maybe is it's us. only a Vegas thing. It is us. So the game last night uh, in Fresno, nice victory for the Rebels. Uh, not earth shattering, but you know you have these grind out games, and frankly, uh, UNLV hasn't finished consistently eleven and seven, twelve and six, upwards of like thirteen and five in the conference in forever. Because of games like this. Yep. Because they don't sweep Fresno State. They don't sweep San Jose State. We've already seen one stumble this year with Air Force. Last night, rough game. Fresno played really hard. Rebels probably overplayed Isaiah Hill and trying to stop him and gave up a bunch of points to a guy named Calamario, Leo Calamario. But mission accomplished. In the end, there are some things to work on, but win's a win. Um, absolutely. And especially that style of win where – Look, it was nip and tuck like the entire way, essentially, right? You're talking about a one-possession game throughout a vast majority of the contest. And at the end, when you're committing turnovers and maybe it looks like you're going to cough the thing up, you hold on, you do what you need to do, and you eventually win a very tight one-score game against an opponent that you needed to beat. I thought it was impressive. Like, the details of how you got there, there's obviously a lot that UNLV can improve on. But I've seen this team many years lose that game. 
right? Just get, just let go of the rope, whether it's a key turnover or a bad offensive rebound on a free throw or whatever it is. I have watched UNLV basketball lose that game time and time again, and I just thought it was impressive the way that they held on. They consistently did what they needed to do, and while there were some mistakes, they won a game that they were supposed to, and now they've won five straight. They've not made up for the loss against the Air Force, but have responded very well to the low point of the season. I thought I was, with the overall result, I was very impressed with what UNLV did last night. And offensively, it wasn't perfect, but it was very pointed yes. in the right direction when they recognized the game was going to change. So you come into the game, and Justin Hudson, if he's good at anything, he's a good defensive coach, and they run a nice press. If he's good at anything, he can collect big men. Mm-hmm. And he had Eduardo Andre uh, this year, last year. Last year up there, he had a double-double. I think he had 16, 10, and three blocks. Well, he's out, right? So he was on crutches. He might be out for a while. He, didn't, he wasn't walking well at all. So they go into the game. They got one true big who can really play, and that's a kid named uh, Boyachi, who's 6'10 and 240, and he had a double-double here against UNLV. Well, he hurts his knee. He's out. They have to go small. And from that point forward, I'd say more in the second half, UNLV recognized we have post players, and Caleb Boone's very good, and we've got a 260-pound dude who can jump through the roof. They need to get the ball, and they fed them and fed them and fed them and fed them to the point where they got 38 points in the paint. So that was one of the more impressive aspects for me when I was watching that was the, the patience against that zone at times of just swinging it back and forth along the wing until you found an opening and bouncing it, bouncing it down, whether it was Whaley, whether it was one of the Boons, and, and letting them go to work, and then playing out of that, right? There were some times where it would be a skip pass across to an open shooter or allowing a guy to work. And I even thought, Steve, what was more impressive, too, is not even just the patience, but, like, what you did after you got it to him, right? There wasn't a lot of times where it was just like, all right, bounce it to him and let's go. There was times where they would both be on the block. One of them would get it. All right, Whaley would kind of extend out. Be like, all right, let's give him some space and attract the shooter over there. Like there was so so much nuance to what they were doing with the way that they were running their offense. I thought that was really impressive. It wasn't the most efficient performance, but like you said, to dedicate yourself consistently and going back to my last line, which is I've seen a lot of UNLV teams lose that game. I've seen a lot of UNLV teams against zone defense swing the ball around the key, do absolutely nothing, burn an entire shot clock, and jack up a three. And that was not what you saw yesterday. I thought that was a very a very well-coached effort against a defense that can stymie a lot of opponents and have stymied UNLV teams in the past. It is a wild conference race, which means that the Mountain West Conference Tournament here in Vegas at the Thomas & Mack in the second week of March is also going to be wild. We'll, uh, we're going to hunt down one of the Mountain West Conference coaches uh, efforting getting Tim Miles, the head coach formerly at Colorado State, now at San Jose State. He'll talk about his experience in the conference this year and preview the Mountain West Conference Tournament in just a couple minutes. In the paint, kick up. Thomas, right on cue. First three of the game for Nidon Thomas Jr. Hanging out at Stadium Swim, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Stadium Swim, you heard it. JVT is here at Cofield. I was in Fresno last night, and you know what? Until uh, Mike Ramallah told me that the Rebels made 1-3, I had no idea because of the whole streak thing. Oh, man, I didn't even realize that. I was the only three of the game. Well, because they've changed as a team. Yeah. And against when Fresno got super small, they're like, we're going to go pound it inside. So not a lot of three attempts. It's pretty crazy. Everyone wanted to try to, especially against his own, get it to the middle of the zone and dump it down. There weren't a lot of – you know, wing feeds to shoot up three. So that was Deion Thomas with the only three of the game. I think the streak now is at 1,217 straight games. Yeah. Tim Miles is very familiar with UNLV and this conference. He's had multiple stops in conference, and we're going to be talking to all the coaches, 
over the next two or three weeks to get you ready for the Thomas and Mac hosting the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Coach, how are you? It's Steve and John here in Vegas. Yeah, you guys, I expect a big thank you. I mean, I am the exclusive reason that we got the Rebs going on this five-game winning streak <laughs> where we leave for 32 minutes and then just cr- crumble down the stretch and uh, the run Rebs got hot and they're looking great right now. Holy cow. Yeah, well, the crazy thing in that game is they got hot from three. Like, Jackie Johnson hit two shots, yeah. I think, from the left yeah. wing. Where you, I'm sure you're watching and you're like, good, take it, and then swish, swish. Yeah, no doubt. They, 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 you know, we knew they could hurt us inside, and we were double deposed. In fact, we got Keenan Boone out of the game. He was so, you know, I mean, and we thought that was going to be a real bonus, and and it didn't. It turned out they had to find another way to got it, get us, and, and uh, Jackie hit those two deep threes when we were trying to change defenses, and, and what a league, though. My goodness. Uh, you know, you look at UNLV has won five in a row. is right up in the middle of the standings. There's seven different teams that are, what, within a game uh, of uh, being in first place, maybe two games of being in first place uh, in this league. Uh, it's going to make for an exciting Mountain West tournament and an exciting stretch run as we get down here in February and March. Coach, you mentioned that win for UNLV against you guys. They got this winning streak started. So after they lost to Air Force, you know, I came on and I was pretty adamant. Like, even though that's kind of a, a loss that gets out of hand, I still think this UNLV team is capable of beating anybody, can still win the Mountain West. Did you see that same potential when you were getting ready for them, like the ceiling of this UNLV team before you played them? Did you did you know that there would be something pretty good and that was just a poor result for them? Yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, when you know Air Force can do that to you, they can slice and dice you. And when you get when you when I saw what they did to um, Creighton, when when everybody got eligible and everybody was available, well, you knew then they were going to be a dangerous team. It was just how they put it all together, and that's a lot of change. Not only with you know um, immediate eligibility, uh, you know, just from year to year. Now you know they had that in season, and it takes a while to find your groove and get everybody on the same page. You mentioned the depth of this conference. You think you get six teams into this uh, NCAA tournament? That is the talk of the town, that there are six teams that could make this thing into the NCAAs. And when I left Colorado State uh, in 2012, we had got four and four. And I think the year after I left, I left Larry Stacey, a team of a lifetime. And, uh, and they ended up getting five that year. And you never know how it's going to go because it really does come down to discretion and whatever the committee values. And from member to member, that's different. Um, I think, you know, the Mount West is uh, a rising conference. I think it hopefully it helps that San Diego State made such a deep run. That was kind of always the knock when I was in the league the first time. All the good teams were getting eight and nine seeds. So even if you win the first one, you're playing a one seed in the second round, and you're not making a deep run playing the ones. And and I know as coaches, we always talked about how important seeds were and what's going on and, and – um, so hopefully, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to know how many we're going to get in, but major basketball league, I know that. UNLVtickets.com is where you can get yourself hooked up for the Mountain West Conference Tournament uh, coming up in really just uh, about three weeks. And everyone's in it. Everyone's in it. Uh, Air Force and, of course, San Jose State are in it. Tim Miles is with us. For you, uh, around the Mountain West, which team has been the toughest matchup? I think New Mexico. I think New Mexico has got those three guards are so good. They've got enough athleticism inside. They're really, really good. Uh, San Diego State's always going to be there. I don't think there's any any chance or uh, any uh, you know break that way. Utah State with the, the the point guard Brown and the big kid Asabar inside are really, really good. 
And then Isaiah Stevens might be the best player in the league at Colorado State, so I think you've got to give him props too. Nevada's strong, Boise's strong. You know, I, I mean, it, there's just so many good teams. I, I just, at, at first blush, though, I thought it was so hard guarding New Mexico and their ability to get into transition and use their defensive pressure to create. And then once those guards got going house and dent, got going in transition, man, they are a, a nightmare. Yeah, Toppin's been really good. He's certainly uh, on top of the list right there with DJ Thomas to win freshman of the year. I feel like any other school in the conference outside of maybe two other schools, uh, True Washington would be getting like 25 minutes a night. Yeah, so New Mexico no doubt. is uh, very, very good. So how do you guys close strong? Um, can I just make a comment that maybe the defense needs to nut up a little bit yeah, down the no stretch? Kidding. At least that, that's what yeah. I'm not, not to insult you. Because we joke before – the season back at Mountain West Conference Media Day that I wanted you to be the revolutionary guy and pull the league out of the, the grind and bump basketball they play and, you know, just shoot 45 threes a game. And you're like, all right, I need to keep a job. I, I'm not, I'm not going to make the sacrifice for the entire league to try to make it into a change of pace league. But uh, what do you guys have to do to improve down the stretch, get a few more wins and in a little better position for the tournament? Yeah, I, what you just alluded to, which is our defense, uh, was solid at the beginning of the year, but really, you know, we lost Rob Bihola to injury. We don't have much physicality inside. Sometimes that makes you vulnerable. Certainly makes you vulnerable on the glass. Third, it makes you have to make decisions when they throw it inside. Are you going to play one-on-one? We don't do that very well, so you end up doubling. Now you're vulnerable to penetration, more offensive rebounding, wide-open threes, and, and teams have hurt us making threes. So, you know, we've been trying to change defenses a little more. We're getting a little better at that. Um, but but ultimately, I probably got to do a better job in the NIL space <laughs> in a transfer portal this spring, and then my defense will get a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I mean, that part of the game has changed. Uh, you know, with Ohio State moving on from their coach, I saw, you know, rumors out there. You don't have to speak to different candidates, but um, even someone like a Mick Cronin at UCLA, uh, you know, stories are, and he's complained about it openly that, you need more support. I, I don't know how you do it from school to school. I think UNLV has pretty good support here, but how do you drum up the community, um, especially if, you know, at that point you're not winning big, how do you bring in the money? Yeah, I think you, gotta, you just got to have the right people surrounding you with the, I think, with that intensity of fandom. Uh, I think you see that in New Mexico. You see some of UNLV, some of these other places. Boise, I think, has got a good thing going. Um, you know, and you see those those people step up, but it is part of a thing, and it's a change. It's a paradigm shift. It's a change of thinking. You know, used to be schools were always about facilities and scholarship and all that, and and now NIL is equally or even more important. What do you think is the toughest venue when you go in there? What do you think is the loudest venue in the conference? Well, it's always been the pit for me. I, I like them all. You know, I think Boise can get pretty good. CSU was really good the other night. Um, uh, uh, Utah State's always really good. San Diego State can be really, I think, kind of on that far of New Mexico in the pit. Um, in the old days, uh, you know, Thomas and Mac was uh, going, and it's and since pro sports have come in, it's probably not as loud and raucous and, and energetic. But I think as they win more and win more, a lot of great things can happen. Tim Miles was head coach at San Jose State at the Mountain West Conference tournaments coming up. In just a couple of weeks, get your tickets at UNLVtickets.com. So this year for me, um, I wasn't at the pit, but I, I'll, I'll put them in my rankings. The loudest I've been at so far, because uh, UNLV didn't go to Utah State, which is unbelievable, it's full, um, was Colorado State because they did the orange out. Um, and I told the story on my show. I'm colorblind, 
So, like, I and they had orange uniforms on, and everyone in the crowd had orange on. I'm like, I don't know where the ball is. They look like they have 14 defenders against UNLV. At one point, <laughs> I shouldn't even tell the story, but at one point, I was down by the CSU bench, probably 50 feet away. It's not that big a gym. And one of the security guards is like, you can't be down here because I had a UNLV mic flag on. And I'm like, bro, I can't hear anything in here. It is so loud, and I don't know who's on the floor. Like, that's how frenzied that environment was that night. So great. We uh, Actually, we started that orange out. Um, uh, when I was That's the coach right. there, I bought a uh, hat that had an orange A because those were my high school colors. Orange was my high school color, and it had an orange A. And the, the guy, the bookstore, the guy that owned the bookstore said, our original colors were pumpkin and alfalfa. We were the ag school, <laughs> Colorado State A&M. And I'm like, oh, we're bringing this back. I went to my athletic director, and he said, if you can raise the money. I went to a donor, and he says, well, if you do it and the women do it, I'll buy you the uniforms. And that's how we started it all. It was awesome. And, and that place it can get really cooking. When I started out, remember, we were so bad. We, I inherited, you know, what? We had guys commit felonies. We had all kinds of things going on right, right when I got there. And we got it organized. We had to recruit from the intramural uh, gym for a while. Uh, but uh, we called it uh, uh, Moby Morgue because uh, every time I'd walk in, Nico Medved, Craig Smith is a coach at Utah now. I say, hey, boys, it's, it's a Laker crowd. They'll be coming in late. They're going to be coming in late. And they'd laugh and shit. Nobody would be, oh, nobody would be there. And, um, and, and now, holy cow, is it electric. I think, the, in fact, in 12, our last four games there were, were completely sold out. And so uh, that was pretty cool to be a part of. And that place can really, it's Moby Magic now. It's not the board. It's, it's really a cool place. Tim Miles with us. So you were there. You jumped to Nebraska. You're back in the conference. What would you tell young coaches who are like, you know what, I'm at a great place right now. I really built it up like you did at CSU. I'm ready to jump to Power 5. Would you be like, don't do it? Or did you get something out of that experience? I had a great experience at Nebraska. I mean, we were top 11 in, a, in attendance, I think, six out of my seven years there. Uh, we opened a new facility, which was phenomenal, state-of-the-art. I loved being in the Big Ten. I didn't like being fired. Um, but, um, but it was an experience that did me well and my family well. And we had uh, a great experience. I think I can see cases for both. I can see why guys like the challenge. I dreamt of coaching in the Big Ten. I watched Big Ten games as a child when we only got two channels in Dolan, South Dakota, CBS and NBC. And I'd watch uh, the, the Big Ten Sunday afternoon games. And, all, and then when I walked into places like Assembly Hall and, uh, you know, in Indiana, you were like, I mean, I'd get flashbacks. Like, this is what I watched as a child. And so it was really cool. But I can see why guys, you know, Nico Medved's got a great thing going at CSU. I can see why he'd stay. You know, he had two years ago, he had all kinds of opportunities to go high major and decided to stay. And, and it's really it's really served him and that university well. Coach, I've got to ask. You tweeted, I just got the notification, Taylor Swift is going to make it to the game. Are you a Swifty? <laughs> yeah. You know, I got some of her songs in my, in my Spotify, I'll tell you that. Uh, she's catchy. And, uh, you know, uh, I, but I, would I go to her concert? No. Nah. I'm not going to pay 1200 bucks to sit in the 300 level. And I'm not going to pay any more. And so uh, uh, she's good. I just something I thought we could have fun with. I think she's probably trying to take over the world. Probably going to break up with Kelsey and start dating a NASCAR guy. Then maybe go over to Europe and date a Formula One guy. All the rapid fan bases I think she's going to figure out how to capture. What songs? <laughs> I don't I couldn't name a song. Oh, okay. Right? I couldn't name a song. So I'm not that big a fan. Like, I like her stuff. It's good. Oh, Cardigan is one. 
Uh, seems like After All is another one. Delicate is one. So she's got a few songs I could probably, you know, but I, if you ask me to sing them, I'm probably not going to be able to help you out very well. You know, if you were going to drop 1200 bucks on a ticket, uh, the person that deserves to go, and they will sit by themselves, is the duck. The duck is the man. He yep. gets that bread. I Every time we lose, I feel sorry for one person, the duck, and that's about it. <laughs> More than yourself. Uh, You're like, poor duck. Yeah, it's too bad, man. Yeah. He's all in. I love him. He's so dedicated. He was Natalie attired for uh, Suits and Sneakers Week. I, I asked him, I was like, hey, what's going on with the, the suit today? You're all dressed up. And he's like, come on, man. I don't think he said it. He just kind of gave me some signs. I was yeah, like, yeah. you nailed it. You nailed it. Everyone, every fan base needs a, a crazy loyal fan like that. The art form. Yeah, I appreciate it. Coach, we appreciate your time, and we'll see you here in Vegas in, in just a few weeks. Thanks for previewing the tournament with us, and good luck the rest of the way. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. There he is, Tim Miles. He's great. Just got to get rolling with uh, some more players down at San Jose State. They certainly can shoot it. And, you know, it's another one of those teams, John, and we'll address this on the way back. Uh, matchups are everything in this league, and this tournament is going to be wild because of the matchups. It depends on who you draw in a lot of ways. Some teams just simply cannot beat others and then dominate uh, different schools, and it's always hard to explain. Outside of Edon Thomas, very experienced. Whaley to the basket! Up, up, and away, Rob Whaley. Here's the action against the zone. I think this is a huge missed opportunity by you, Dave Ryan, of saying Rob Whaley with a whammy. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from Stadium Swim at Circa Las Vegas. What do you think? Can we get John Sandler, a guy with Learfield, to steal that from the CBS TV crew? Uh, Whaley, whammy! Oh, that's good. I was trying to think of something like actually whale related, but I couldn't think of one. Oh. The only thing I could think of was kind of insulting, like it's a beach whale. But that indicates that you know, <laughs> yeah. couldn't do anything. Can I say something really quickly? Because this sparked my memory, and I'm just going to say it, even though it's a true statement and everybody knows it. DJ Thomas is really freaking good, man. Like I love, I love watching him play. Two plays in this game. There was one, Steve. It was in the first half. It was a transition play where he's coming up, and I can't remember who was trailing behind him. But he does this nifty move where he kind of hesitates and fakes, like, the pitch back to the guy trailing. And his defender bites on it to go contest, and he blows right by him, and it hits a floater. And there was another possession late in the game where it was probably one of their last two field goals where he's got his guy, he gets a screen, he goes by him, then he just gets him on his hip right where he wants him, and then he goes and he finishes a tough little floater. Um, I think it was to put him up about 66 or something like that. His game, he's just so good, man. He's such a young kid, but he just—he looks like he's so comfortable. And I honestly, I, I, I'm doing a lot of draft, draft prep and stuff. I'm surprised you're not hearing about him more. I feel like he's got a decent NBA game. Well, I think he's going to be overlooked and underrated because of his size. Sure. So he's probably a four-year college player. But, yeah, he's I mean, good, to your man. point, he's – listen, UNLV over the years, let's go back to the beginning of the Rice era. UNLV's had plenty of, for a group of five school, they've had plenty of top 50 recruits. Yep. And he's the most focused, the most mature. And by focus, I mean he's into college basketball. Yep. Now, Anthony Bennett was incredibly talented, and he left after one year, but he was also very up and down, very much thinking about the pros, very much not into conditioning his body the way it needed to be. And, you know, we can go down the rest of the list. There were good players. I also think over the years, and I don't want to accuse anyone of anything, but I also think there were top players, top 50 players that UNLV got 
that when they got hurt, they were like, you know what? The season's just going okay. It's time to get ready for the draft. I think a couple of them were like, I'm going to shut it down. So he's – I don't want to say he's the rare top 25 high school player, but he is kind of rare in that he's got like a 23-year-old game already, and he's focused on college basketball. He's awesome. And he's the, the maturity thing is amazing. You watch him, never gets too high or low. Yep. Never really gets that mad. He took a couple of bad shots last night. Like sometimes he'll just do a clap. But he's all about doing the right thing as a point guard, and you saw it from game to game. Like last night, he really didn't shoot a whole lot. Nope. But down the stretch, when he had the ball in his hands and they needed something to happen, he drew a foul, got a couple shots off. Uh, played pretty good defense against Isaiah Hill. You know, he's been he's he's been better than I thought he would, and I I, I thought uh, he would do about twelve points and, and six assists, and that sounds underwhelming, but it's a very productive twelve and six. Oh yeah, and, well, and I think um, they showed the graphic on the game last night. I think he, what the last five, he's averaging about like sixteen and six or something like that in terms of points and assists. He's been incredible. He's also shooting. Uh, I don't know what the latest number is. Uh, as of two games ago, he was shooting forty six percent. Which you see a lot of point guards. Oh, I'll go to the NBA. Like I like Spencer Dinwiddie. But I didn't realize for the season he's shooting 31 from three and 39 from the floor. Yeah. It's the NBA, but still. High volume, low efficiency, but he is not that. Let's get into what happened yesterday with Steve Wilkes. A lot of examination of it. A lot of people are really angry. Xavier Pope is going to jump in to give his take and the aftermath of the Super Bowl. In the championship game in Baltimore, they overdid it yesterday. I mean, I don't care if it's only a split second. Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor. He is live on Cofield and Company. Uh, we're still doing the Taylor Swift was on TV too much, huh? That was the Mad Dog. Uh, boy, if you see the New York-based media people who cover the media, my God, they tweeted out that he got an extension like 500 times yesterday. Like, all right. Oh, he did? I missed that. Oh, uh, it was out over and over and over again, you know, talking about a, a second lease on life for his career. And, I mean, he is a new character on the national scene, and he does play the old curmudgeon really well. Not an old curmudgeon is Xavier Pope, our buddy out of Chicago. Xavier, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Steve? Pretty good. Did you have a Super Bowl party, or did you go to one on Sunday? I went to a sports bar. That's one of my places, favorite places to watch big games because you get a chance to kind of see – what the atmosphere is in and around the game as opposed to kind of hanging out there with your buddies. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great experience. People were dancing and during halftime. It was a fun. It's one of the better bars to go to for a game. So I'm glad I did that as opposed to going to a private party. I'd imagine out in Chicago, maybe a little bit more neutral, right? So, like, it's a little bit better environment because you don't have people freaking out over the result too much? There are a lot. Well, Chicago is 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 pretty much the capital of the Midwest. So a lot of people who grew up in Kansas City live in Chicago okay. or maybe went to a Big Ten school. So there are a lot of Kansas City fans at that bar that were cheering. Um, so it was definitely a pro-Kansas City crowd. And it was also the people that weren't from Kansas City that just wanted Kansas City to lose because they're tired of having the same team win two Bowls and be in the Super Bowl. Yep, the jealousy factor. I put out a quick video of me on uh, Sunday evening sitting in an empty ballroom as they're trying to clean it up and just – booing Clark Hunt on a big screen, basically by myself. Just complete loser. This sounds like a lot of fun, Steve. Um, uh, I mean, I'm passionate. Uh, I'm not going to grow up. I mean, I'm in my 50s. I'm going to act like I did when I was – actually, I'm I'm less mature now and more bitter and jealous of other sports teams. So it makes for a magical mix. Uh, my, my girlfriend really enjoys my maturity. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about what Mad Dog was saying there. Again, uh, people harping on too much Taylor Swift during the Super Bowl. All the numbers say that – those guys are wrong. And I truly believe the, 
And again, I'm not trying to insult the 60 plus crowd, but the 60 plus male crowd who is upset about Taylor Swift, I'm just going to, uh, I'll just say it straight out. The NFL does not care about you. No, they don't. Uh, because they want to be able to expand how many people watch the NFL. Uh, more women watch the NFL than they ever did before, watched the Super Bowl before. The NFL has been trying to get fans from overseas to acquire a new fan base. <laughs> you got a pretty large fan base that you can tap into right here in the United States of America, American women. Well, and one of the things that I really have issue with, and uh, Russo said it, Xavier, was he called it, you know, it's a, it's a football broadcast. It's the Super Bowl, right? Like, it's anything but. I watched Usher and Alicia Keys and all these things. That the Super Bowl, to make that argument that it's a football broadcast, is asinine. Yeah, I mean, well, well sexists are going to sexist. Uh, I think that he's basically saying Super football is not for women. It's a bunch of guys playing, and this is something that we get for ourselves. Like, mad white guys complaining about why people don't care about them seems to be in vogue. He gets a new contract deal. You got Ryan Clark up, uh, you know, saying his contract expired. I think Ryan Clark is a much smarter, more uh, uh, definitely a smarter, much more in tune type of gentleman than Mad Dog is. That's me. Xavier, I've got to ask you, speaking of mad white guys, I don't know who got Kyle Shanahan mad, but losing that Super Bowl made him decide he's so mad he's got to get rid of Steve Wilkes. What do you think about him firing the defensive coordinator who had one of the best defenses in the league? Yeah, it, this team held Kansas City, what, under 20 points in regulation. They had, that, that, just, that was something, a rare occurrence for, for that, that squad. And he definitely was not the guy who should have told his team that they didn't know what the overtime rules were. Many people, many of them were admitting they had no idea what was going on, thought they would score a touchdown and win the game. You saw the Kansas City Chiefs, they were excited that, Kent, that the 49ers decided to receive the football. And so that's your responsibility, Cal Shanahan. Um, that's not the responsibility of Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes got the, got the low end of the stick on several different jobs, including the Arizona job, including the Carolina job he didn't keep. And now it looks like this is happening in San Francisco as well. I feel, I feel somewhat conflicted on this one, Xavier, because there were a lot of different metrics that showed San Francisco was not as good as they were last year, specifically against the run. Like, how do we parse that? Because I think that there was a bigger picture here that throughout the season, there were a lot of down moments for the San Francisco defense, and, and people smarter than me watching them by the X's and O standards were confused by what they were running defensively throughout the year. Yeah, well, the, 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 at the end of the day, in the Super Bowl, they were able to stop Kansas City and put them in, in difficult situations. Uh, and I, I talked about this two consecutive weeks. The guy they were going against is two of one, two of the best guys ever played the position. It, winners don't win. <laughs> they were up against the generational talent, and they could, they could have put God as a defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. They weren't going to prevent uh, the Patrick Mahomes the second from winning another Super Bowl. I think Kyle Shanahan is a very good coach. I think he's borderline terrible in the postseason. Uh, he mismanages offense, and that's going back to the OC gig with the Falcons where they blew the Super Bowl. I'll also throw in, because I yeah I opened the week saying, you know, maybe it's time to move on. Maybe it's just not going to happen with Shanahan and make a, a coaching change with all these good coaching candidates out there. But here's the thing. Um, but I, I hate going down this path all the time. But Jed York runs a team that his parents handed over to him. Kyle Shanahan is Mike Shanahan's son. Um, nepotism and connection still run wild and are super effective around the National Football League. And, you know, Steve Wilkes ain't part of that crew. So if you need to lop someone off, 
It's going to be Steve Wilkes over the you know the Nepo guy making the decision and the Nepo guy as the head coach. Yeah, yeah, Steve, and I think that's interesting that he you said that Steve Wilkes wasn't a cultural fit. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, and, and, and what what type of guy do they want to bring in? Um, and so that just it it about a lot of the bells and whistles buzzes and all things went in my head when I thought about that um, when it came down to putting him on the chopping block after that. It was just a, it was a strange indeed. We're out at Stadium Swim, so we're at the uh, multiple bodies of water. No pool. Uh, it's bigger than that uh, down here at Circle Las Vegas. And it's funny, a couple of fellas stood up, and they were talking to us about a big college – well, a college basketball game. A big college. Uh, 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 Rutgers uh, Northwestern. Big for me. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and some, like, 11 people in Chicago. But um, they stood up, and they were asking about a bet on the game, and then they were like, you know what, college basketball sucks. The NBA is so much better. Uh, what do you think, age-wise? What do you think, younger than 45? Right, both of them? Right? Oh, you're asking me? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see this, this weekend in the NBA is one of the biggest sports social media weekends that we have all year, and I'm curious to see who's responding and how they respond based on age. Well, I, mean, I think the NBA appeals to a younger fan base because of the, because of players they can relate to, they can see them. Uh, I, I, and, so, and I think that some of the different like the cultural narrative that kind of follows the NBA is a little bit different. In terms of when in college sports or maybe college football, or maybe even in the NFL, a lot of the, the a lot of a lot of fans focus a lot on the team ownership and, and the and the coaches and those guys' roles. Are you excited for Sabrina and Steph? I, I think it's a cool cool thing for the NBA to do. I think she you know she challenged them to a three point contest. Except that NBA is part of. Part of what's going on, um, you know, I, I think it'll be exciting. I, I think that's to you know, get more fans engaged in the game across across uh, age. Um, so that should be something that's fun. Those are two great players, and so I'm looking forward to checking it out. Xavier, something that I'm excited about is the LED court that they're going to implement in Indianapolis. Is that something that maybe would make you want to watch a little bit longer? As long as the court doesn't look like the court uh, during the NBA Cup. Uh, tournament that was awesome too (laughs) we love that dude that was insane my eyes really my retinas are still recovering did did you not like the championship one where it was red and blue or did you just not like any of them but i I was going to say 90 percent of those courts were trash uh it's just because it was just really distracting from some of the action and i couldn't really tell what was going on sometimes and some of the guys were going to get drowned out some of the colors so i i like the ingenuity of it but then now the Lakers aren't the greatest team in the world. It just seems like it, it happened in another season. It felt like it happened like a million years ago. Yep. Xavier Pope out of Chicago, attorney, cultural contributor, right here on Cofield and Company on a Thursday. We're hanging out downtown, Circle Las Vegas. We got all the uh, giant screens in front of us. Oh, boy, what a nightmare in this college I'm basketball the, game. I'm the biggest boy. college basketball game of the night, <laughs> Northwestern Rutgers. It's not good so far. And uh, Xavier has interest in Rutgers sometimes. He's Rutgers law guy. Um this is, I think this is more a John and Damon thing. Oh, yeah. Xavier, are you in an age bracket where you appreciate EA finally coming back for the first time in 11 years of a college football game? Uh, I don't play video games anymore, so I don't care. But happy for guys who are happy for it. John, are you happy? Am I happy? Am I happy? Look at him. Look Am at him. I He's happy? giddy. Uh, I think <laughs> Damon would, uh, would echo giddy. this right now. 
Um, NCAA Football 14 was one of the greatest video games of all time. <laughs> Is that right? Um, absolutely brilliant. The way that you could do, Steve, I led UNLV to back-to-back poinsettia bowls. One of the best things That's about great. it, okay. Xavier, uh, one of our colleagues, uh, Caleb uh, Caleb Herring, who played UNLV football. Um, I used him to win those poinsettia bowls. He owes me everything. I cannot wait (laughs) for this game to come back out. It's a fantasy world. You sound sound like you're so wet right now. Oh, my God. (laughs) I am. By the way, I will say. A lot of cannonballs going on here. The incredible part was about this. So, Caleb is a very clean-cut man. So, he's, you know, the shaved head, everything. Uh, In NCAA football, to avoid likeness issues, they gave him dreads, which was. Is that right? Yes, very weird. I like that a lot. That's a good. That's <laughs> I like a, that a lot too. That's a good change. All right, we're gonna wrap on this one. Um, I don't think there was, and I guess there's some people who didn't like it. I will say the Usher halftime show when people started saying it was the greatest ever. That I think that was overboard. Where are you on this? I think it's the top five. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of people were hype about it. It was. It certainly had. When Ludacris came out, I, the whole bar that I was in. Went absolutely nuts. The Alicia Keys outfit looked amazing. Of roller skating, that was pretty cool as well. It was definitely extremely entertaining. Uh, and Usher now he's on the, doing a world tour. Now he's coming out with a, a show that's based on all the songs. Usher is riding the wave on top of this, uh, and I, I, it was very, I, I loved it. It was definitely a top five. I like the Alicia Keys outfit. The Alicia Keys outfit was uh, on the top of my list too. It was good. It was real good. Um, better job of doing their song. Post Malone or Reba? Post Malone was surprisingly good. Um, I, I, I didn't think he would be doing that great. Um, so I'm going to give it to Post. By the way, I forgot to bring this up to our guy, Steve Kim, but I know Xavier will appreciate this. Xavier, um, you know, it's crazy. The, the ratings are, were incredible, right? The most watched game, uh, the most watched broadcast we've ever seen. But it's funny, it's uh, Clay Travis tried to make the case that, oh, you know, they stopped going woke. But I see still, and racism, I still see the Black National Anthem. It didn't go anywhere, and yet uh, it's weird. Everybody still watched the game. I say this over and over and over again. The National Football League, unless something changes about how it's run on the field, the NFL will be king. It's simple as that. It knows what it's doing, knows what its product is, puts it out every year, and people will continue to watch. Xavier, you are the man. Uh, belated happy Valentine's Day. Love you, buddy. Oh, I love you too, man, and the rest of you all. Big hearts. Love wow. you more. Xavier has started a trend on the show. Love you too. Uh, I have to put out the video, Damon, but uh, remember Curtis and I yesterday, Curtis Terry and I had talked yesterday about uh, delivering a Valentine's Day message to Kevin Kruger if they won the game. And uh, I'll just tell you, he wasn't expecting it because I, I kind of posed it as a question. I was like, happy Valentine's Day. Love you, coach. He was like, uh, love you too. You did it after the game? I was not going to do it. Do you, you see what's happening at halftime? Yes, you should have done it at halftime. <laughs> they were, they're down 32-29, sputtering. It's fine. Struggling on defense. This is when you get to hit them with it. Positive you know what, vibes. The thing with Coach Kruger is you never know what you're going to get in terms of he could be – like really hot under the collar and be short at the half. This time he was kind of like, eh, okay. Like, I see what we're doing. I'm not going to freaking completely melt down on this whole thing. I'll be I'm there. Like, on, I, I probably should have tried it. I'll be there on Saturday, so at halftime I'll stand over the tunnel and I'll just be like, I love you! Just keep doing it to yeah. him. <laughs> be like, okay, it's it's five days later. <laughs> Chill with the I love you. I haven't you seen stuff. him yet. I haven't seen him. Stadium swim. We're hanging out here for another two hours. Uh, sun's going down. The all the bodies of water here at Stadium Swim are heated. Uh, this is going to be a really big spot on Saturday, UFC 298. 
is going down at Stadium Swim. There's really no other place in Las Vegas to watch the fight, so book your spot at Stadium Swim for another big UFC event. Uh, multiple uh, champions on the card, former champions on the card. CircleLasVegas.com to get in for the viewing party here at Stadium Swim for UFC 298.